What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of LibUX, the podcast about design and user experience for libraries and the higher ed web. This week, it is just me and Stephen Francoeur, who um, is joining me to talk about um, something he wrote. Hey, Stephen, what's going on? Hey, uh, just hanging out and uh, eager to uh, share what little I've learned over the years. It caught my eye that you posted it um, about this time last week, and the reason being that UX shops of one are really sort of the norm, and it's not too different when, you know, like a few years ago, it was web shops for one, so the UX part is just sort of growing in scope. <laughs> um, so you kind of start off in the post uh, mentioning that people hit you up on Twitter asking for what you've learned. Can you just kind of just tell us the narrative of kind of like what's going on and kind of the advice that you give? Sure. So what, what prompted me to, to write the post was that my era of being a, a UX shop of one was um, had recently come to a close. And so I'd been thinking back on what changed and things I needed to, start, um, to do differently now that I have a part-time assistant. Uh, so for about four months, uh, I had a, a part-time assistant and actually uh, she just left. And I've got a new one who hopefully will be starting in a few weeks. But I've had to change the ways that I was doing things um, for the past four years. So I was reflecting back on um, how I managed to get what I needed to get done by myself. Also, I guess a, a piece of what I was talking about is, um, you know, when you're the not just the only UX person, but you're the first UX person at your library. I had been a reference and instruction librarian at Baruch College for uh, over 10 years before uh, I was uh, talked my way into creating a new position at our library as a, as a UX librarian. Um, I, I want to pick your brain about that one. So you actually, you actually petitioned um, your administration to create a new position? Yeah, I was having a annual review with the chief librarian and we got to talking about what sort of work I'd like to be doing that I wasn't currently doing. And I'd mentioned my uh, experience on two previous uh, website redesign committees where I was exposed to UX and got a chance to learn how to do usability testing and um, been involved in some other web projects and realized that I really liked um, designing things and making things and having something to point to um, saying, hey, I helped, I had a hand in making that. So uh, I uh, convinced my um, boss that I'd like to be doing more of that work. And this was probably around 2009 that we started the conversations and there oh, were wow. hand, that's pretty hand, that's pretty early in uh, like the library user experience scheme of things yeah the i only had known of one or two others i think brian matthews was the first one who i encountered with a title um and maybe some folks at mit uh i can't remember but i, I looked at what they were doing read their blog posts and um put together a job description and hammered it out with the chief librarian and with the head of collection management, um, which was the division I'd be moving into because that was um, with part of the job description included assisting the head of collection management with the management of electronic resources, which was something new to me. 
Um, so over those four years, I've been you know the UX librarian, but I would say I am also that's probably about forty percent of my time. Another twenty-five to thirty is helping manage electronic resources, and then the other uh, twenty to thirty percent is. Uh, I, I teach credit courses in the library's information studies minor. I teach workshops. Um, I'm the liaison to three departments and the program. So the UX work it hasn't always been my sole responsibility. Um, so that's also been a challenge of being a UX shop of one. And it, it's unlikely that if you are a UX shop of one, that that's all you're going to get to do. Chances are you're going to be having some other responsibilities saddled on. At some point, organizationally, they must have been able to um, justify reallocating those reference and, and instructional resources to UX. So they must have also, you must have really been able to pitch them the need. Yeah, it's also, it helps that the, the chief librarian was very um, interested in having any sort of decisions being made based on data and evidence and trying to move away from mere opinion um, and and intuition being the sole way that we moved ahead in the library really wanted things to be driven by evidence uh and so that you know the discussion about ux was built on that idea that um the design work would no longer especially on the web would not be characterized by a, a bunch of librarians in a room arguing over what's a better color for that link um, but instead having a conversation that's based on actual insights from user research so it, it, he's very much a social scientist, so I think he really warmed the idea and, and steered me to sort of deepen the job description along those lines. Even though that was not something that I had been thinking of so much I've, over the years, I think that's really kind of started to define like my role. And, and now that I've hired somebody, I've hired someone to be a UX designer because my own skill set in terms of design is, is weak. Um, the user research, I can I can think of a million ways to research things um, and gain insights that can drive de uh, decision or drive decisions for design. But I, I really needed help doing the design work and coming up with ideas and developing them and mocking them up and things like that. Wow, uh, you totally caught my fancy here. So, um, so the uh, I'm curious when you all created this position, whether um, I don't know anywhere in writing or just unofficially, you set some kind of you set milestones or some sort of benchmarks for determining whether or not the library's investment in user experience uh, research would pay off, or like how how do you determine success? Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just. I don't kind of know where I'm going. I guess that sort of sums up my question. No, it's it's a good question, and and I think it's an area that I need to do more work in defining those those goals for what I'm up to, and and maybe because I was just a shop of one, maybe I was, and it was all new that it, um, I was kind of given a pass and gave myself a pass to um, think about that as something to be developed as I as I move along. So I, I haven't. Um, focus too much on specific goals and, and priorities. So let's, um, and I think that's one of the challenges of being a shop of one is you're kind of on your own a little bit. I have lots of conversations with the head of collection management about things that I might want to do. Um, and, uh, also with the chief librarian, but a lot of it is just driven by my own sense of what work needs to be done next. You, as you probably know, there's an endless list of things that need to be improved. 
and also fixed. <laughs> um, you know, that's the, the base thing for, for user experience. So like, does it just work? Um, and so I'm also just trying to fix things that are broken. Um, so yeah, the goal setting and, and having that sense of like, uh, can I prove, can I offer evidence that this was a good investment on the library's part? Um, I think that's an area that I, I want to be working on. I could see how that could be uh, quite a long-term investment. So that um, the initial success, the one that might take the first year, two or three, is really just uh, kind of imbuing the organization with a sense of uh, some sort of user experience strategy, right? For you have to you have to convince your colleagues. Kind of, you know, the organization as a whole has to sort of be on board, even if there is a focal person kind of running that show for there to be any um measurable or significant metric to even look for i i could see how you might say like oh after five years our investment in user experience is going to lead to i don't know better meeting xyz business goals or or library mission but initially championing user experience and the need for it um really doesn't produce any kind of tangible uh <laughs> it doesn't really produce anything that you can point to and say like oh yeah this has been successful even though you know that wow the organization is better off because of this yeah i i think um people can see things that are that are going on you know on the website they can see things I, you know, my colleagues can see interfaces that are, are improved or at least being looked at um it, it's important to understand with my story that for a number of years we did have a, a librarian who was actually in a not in a faculty position but um, who was our web services librarian and over the years uh, after that person left we never really replaced that person with a um, with someone with that title or those job responsibilities and the um, actual development work on the library website was the actual heavy lifting was done by the college's web services team. So whenever we needed to update pages or rearrange something, um, it was done by the same unit on campus that oversees the college website. If we had had someone internal to the library, I think all my work would have been very different. Um, so it, it, over time, it came to be I was the only person within the library or one of the few people within the library that was actively doing any development work on the library website. And I think that was my, my colleagues came to see like, Oh, Hey, if you want to get something done, like, you know, let Steven know about it. Maybe he can do, you know, can try to get some changes made. Um, so that, that's, that's an important context. That's interesting. Yeah. So um, how receptive were, you know, uh, university IT and some of the user experience driven um, requests that you are making. If you're the intermediary between like the library website and the actual implementers, do they, do they, I don't know what I'm asking. Um, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, I think um, you, it's a, there's another important piece, piece of context and that, that's what makes talking about like these UX and library jobs so difficult because there's so many um, local factors that make it really hard to say oh here's universal truths about how to be a UX shop of one I was um, extremely lucky that the chief librarian also happens to be the CEO, the CIO on campus he is a librarian 
Um, he, he started off as the chief librarian and uh, over time uh, uh, became the CIO of um, as well. So he's the head of campus IT. Wow. So, so that that helped pave the way, and on top of that, the um, the two or three people on the campus web services team that I deal with are fantastic. They they love um, talking about UX work. They don't, as you mentioned, they don't have um, as as common in college um, web uh, departments. They don't have a, a UX specialist or anyone doing UX work per se. And they were just really excited to like, wow, that's cool that you guys are doing that. You're the only place on campus where this kind of research and design work is being done in that way. Um, Your so library very happy is a to work unicorn. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So I, I am I am very fortunate um, in that. So I've, I have a very good relations with the people in our web services team and, and um, really enjoy working with them. It, it'd be nice if we were in the same department or they, they were within the library and part of, you know, just dedicated to work helping with the library website. But that's a, a future project to see if I can get people with um, development skills within the library. But for now, it's 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 been fine. I come up with a, a proposal for something that needs to be changed on the website or updated. And I find the evidence to back up that design uh, decision make a proposal to the chief librarian saying, I think we should do this. And if he's okay with it, then it goes on to the web services people who make it happen. Do you have some sort of iterative process? So you make a proposition, but what if it doesn't work? Do you have like a testing phase? Are you going to go back or? Yeah, usually there's, you know, before I make the proposal, there's, um, there's already been iterative design efforts and I've been working with, with them to, to do mock-ups that can be tested um, so with the, at the moment, um, my biggest project that I've been dreaming of doing for years, um, and wasn't really able to, to take on until I was no longer a UX shop of one. Well, I suppose I could have, but it really helped having a UX designer around, um, is to redesign the central search bar on our library website. And that started off last November with usability testing on the existing search bar, um, and so it was really nice to have a UX designer to help me out running the test. Um, and then based on that, then we gained enough insights to come up with a couple of different design ideas, which my designer mocked up um, for me. And then with those mock-ups, I've now got something that's fleshed out enough that I can go to our web services team and say, you know what, I'd like to have two live um, versions of these two different um, takes on a library on the central search bar. If you can mock them up, then I'm going to go test them, do a head to head test of one against the other in, um, sort of a massive usability test. Um, and then based on that, I'll write up a report to the chief librarian saying, okay, here's all the work I've done. Here's what I think is the winning design for a central search bar. And here's all the evidence to back it up. And here's some additional tweaks we'll probably want to make on that winning design based on the usability test. So the iteration is that's something I've always built in. I've never assumed that I'm one fix, you know, it's one and done. It's always like, oh, let me get a mock up, test it, tweak it, test that, tweak it, and then and then usually launch it. In your original post, you have a bullet point that asks uh, ask people to consider the culture of change in their library, and it seems like like the yours, of course, like organizationally, um, you have the organizational convenience that your chief librarian is also kind of the boss. Um, the 
but it seems like yours is 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 fairly like flesh forward like what kind of advice would you give to somebody whose mm, culture of change isn't as advanced or as mature so you know if there is a, a project um that you can work on a small scale thing i think build up some trust among your colleagues on some smaller projects that you can undertake use um careful user research methods to gain insights that actually will drive your design document that work um and then present it in a formal way to the powers that be to say you know i'd like to make this change here's all the um, here's the specific change i want to make and here's the evidence um, that backs up this uh, proposal I'm making. And I think it, with those small, smaller things, it could be something as simple as redesigning signs in your library and, and, and not doing it based, you know, I mean, it's always nice to freshen up signs, but sometimes you want to test a sign. We, we just redesigned a sign that showed call number locations by floor in our library. And it was, we had a couple different ways of doing it, my, uh, the UX designer and I, and we couldn't figure out which one would work. So we tested them. And I, I'd never tested a, a paper sign before, but it was easy enough to do. And I felt more confident with the, the final decision. But just doing that work with, you know, there's all sorts of people that probably would be happy to, to get some help, you know, fixing or something up or sprucing something up. So that, that would be my advice is find some uh, partners in crime in your library um, and use that um, to build momentum for the value of that approach to getting work done. When presenting the, uh, the evidence or data to your stakeholders, do you have a preference for either quantitative or qualitative? So I'm an English major. I, I have a master's in history. Um, quantitative is, is not my native skill set. So um, the qualitative does come easier, but I think it's also, it's, it's good enough. Um, and it's certainly um, with the qualitative, you know, with quantitative, if you're going to go that route, then you have to be really serious and expect that the people who do have quantitative backgrounds can respect the work that you're doing, you're presenting to them. Um, you know, I do it a little bit, but I, I try to focus more on qualitative things like the, you know, choice quotes from uh, users and tests um, or um, I looked at for projects I've, I've, at the search bar redesign. I've gone into the query logs of different search systems, whether it's our discovery layer or site search feature or lib guides, which I was able to pull the queries out of that or our um, uh, A to Z journals tool from serial solutions and, and present, I guess it's a little bit of a quantitative analysis of the query logs, but when people actually see um in a report, the actual crazy things that are being typed into these search boxes <laughs> in the wrong places. That's the kind of evidence that everyone's like, oh, I see what you're talking about. Like, wow, like, you know, they're searching for Wall Street Journal, but they're just typing in WSJ or they're abbreviating it, <laughs> abbreviating it all the time. Who knew they would do that? Or they're spelling JSTOR these nine different ways. And, <laughs> and I had no idea that you could spell JSTOR so many different ways or LexisNexis. So um, I think when you when you've got like, sort of qualitative information like that. I think it, it, it strikes a chord with people. I think that's interesting, interesting to hear. And I think you make a good case for it. I feel like my um, natural inclina inclination is kind of the opposite where my default is to take quantitative data. And perhaps that's because, you know, I'm a web, uh, web services librarian and I have access to it in the first place. But um, 
Yeah, my my initial gut uh my gut feeling is that oh the quantitative data is going to kind of dislodge this um notion that you know the the librarians are the users or that you know whatever like whatever kind of uh base assumptions that they bring to the table and so i feel like the qualitative or the quantitative data is kind of like um kind of like a hammer and a chisel that'll sort of like break that up um and yeah and that's just my gut feeling but i kind of think i want to start agreeing with you in that like this kind of use of qualitative data might actually be um better i you know it really boils down to knowing who your stakeholders are and what they respond to but i never really i have to admit you know in in the years i've been doing this i've never really considered whether or not these stakeholders have a background interest in or maybe like a natural response to numbers and and quantitative proof which is you know of course in hindsight definitely seems like a flaw well i'd say you know the quantitative i definitely use that too it helps me it's one of the things I use to make decisions about what projects to focus on. So, you know, I, I look at the, the uh, analytics from uh, the Google analytics to make some determinations about what pages to focus on because they're getting the most visitors. Um, and I, I share that with my colleagues or I'll show them um, a list of uh, lib guides ranked by the number of views that they have and say, you know what, let's take a look at some of these. So I, I and I do present them with some of the, the numbers. Um, I haven't, I didn't do it last year, but two years ago I did its big data dump report of all the different analytics I could get my hands on um, just to give people a sense of how different resources were being used, how different web pages were being used and who was there and the device usage. And that, that's stuff that I definitely need to keep it, on top of as well. I mean, I think of my, of, of our work in UX as being completely mixed methods and it's all about triangulating using all the sources of data you can get your hands on, whether it's, um, uh, qualitative stuff from interviews and focus groups or usability testing, or it's all the numerical data you can get out of analytics and the number of queries run in your discovery layer and just try to have as much at your fingertips as you can to drive your decisions. Well, as you allude to, so much of it really has to do with the ability to actually like communicate these findings as well. So yeah. it's it's not all that useful if you can discover the bug or discover the error or, or see the painful touch points if you don't know how to pitch them or you're not able to um, deduce a solution. And one thing for communicating, if you really want to communicate a problem to your colleagues, show them the video of a usability test. <laughs> That's a, usually a real eye-opener for them. Um, I mean, you, you know how painful it is just to sit and watch through those when you're just you just want to slap your head and you're like, no, no, what are you doing? Stop that. And like and even after all these years of doing it, it's still like I get I really have to bottle down those feelings during the test. So when my colleagues can see that on their own, when I share them privately, they're they're just usually gobsmacked. So often something like, you know, a video usability, uh, like a, a video capture of a usability test as, um, you know, it can seem kind of privileged when you're just the the only person um interested in responsible for championing the library user experience what um what would you have to say for the people who are what under-resourced and really just trying to like get this started 
let's say this person is new, like they just now read um, Amanda Etches and Aaron Schmidt's book, and they're like, "Dang, this is a great idea." What? Where do they start? Like, I think the the small projects, just to to get a feel for the methods and the techniques, don't don't try to do a usability test on your library website. Pick out a small task and work on those small tasks, and think about. Um, you know, I, I, most librarians who work at a reference desk or do uh, email and chat reference, they know what a lot of the, the pain points are. So design a usability test around that and also make sure you pick something that you actually can fix, um, that you can change. Because um, God knows there's lots of problems that I would love to fix, but for various reasons, either political or just technological, I can't do anything about them right now. Um, so find some some small wins that um so you can build up your skill set um and and not be disheartened by trying to t- you know take on too much for the, your your first projects how persuasive do you think it is to library stakeholders if you show them the the forays into user experience that other libraries have made like how how uh how sensitive are they to, I don't know, kind of peer pressure? I feel like we may have some evidence of this and that, you know, not, you know, a few years ago, you look at a library website and all library websites look the same. In fact, maybe like all new redesigned library websites kind of look the same too. Yeah. Um, but I wonder how, you know, how useful it would be to say like, hey, you know, this library has invested such and such resources or at least, you know, mindset it's, it's committed a kind of mindset to user experience. I wonder how useful that would be to look at the peers. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. We um, it, it kind of it depends on uh, different factors of who it is that you're comparing yourself to, and also whatever your local situation is. Because it's quite easy. For example, I mean, for years I would go look at you know what North Carolina State University was doing on their website. Um, and I would show things to my chief librarian and we were like, wow, that's so cool. That's amazing. Look at that nice thing that they're, they're doing here and they're doing over there. Um, you, clearly a lot of change was taking place and a lot of you know big projects were being tackled. Um, and I'm not saying my chief librarian said this, but other, you know, it's quite easy to say, oh, well, of course they've got like, you know, they're a huge library. They have much greater resources and, you know, it, you have to be careful who you compare yourself to because if you already have... Uh, bad feelings about your own library, about what you can do, your your library's you know, relative poverty compared to other institutions. It's easy to say, "Oh, screw it, we'll never be able to keep up with that." Like, you know, why bother? Like, we, we don't, we can't do that, and get overly pessimistic. Um, so it it can blow up in your face too if if people have gotten you know stakeholders really kind of feel that way. Like, oh, we 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 can't do that. We're too small. We're too under resourced. Um, so it can be tricky but on the other hand it can be really inspirational if you can show them that small under-resourced library that community college down the road um that you know you know is is strapped for funds somehow has managed to pull off this really great looking website that um uh or some or has you know incorporated user experience into other into their physical library um so maybe that's better. Maybe should, we should all be pointing to the under-resourced libraries that manage to do a really bang-up job and say, look, if they could do it, why can't we? Like, do you have any like lasting advice, any kind of like final thought that you would impart? Maybe... Well, how about this? How about this? In, 
anybody can do UX work in, in much the way. Yeah, I think about UX in the way that I, I was at my library. I started in 1999 at my, my library, and I was there when we were really getting serious about um, incorporating the ACRL information literacy standards. This was around 2000 and 2001 into our instructional program and, and completely rethinking how we could programmatically um, evaluate our instruction and, and base it on the new ACRL standards. And But we all had to learn what they were. And we had a, lots of uh, professional development efforts to get everyone up to speed quickly and make everyone feel like they were invested in, in the very idea of informational literacy and that, and that um, using the standards to, dr to drive curriculum design would be a good thing. And I, even though we had a couple people who were clearly champions, we all felt that this was something any one of us, all of us should be thinking about and, and internalizing. And I'd like to think that UX work too um, should apply to any, you know, I, I think it was an outgrowth of like the, the service ethic that we're um, trained to adopt and, and um, expand on as librarians when we're in library school. Um, I really think of it, it's, it's, and maybe you know, it's another tangent, but this idea of service design um, is something I'd like to be exploring more. But that, that definitely, that service design aligns pretty well with the, some of the things I, I learned about in library school. So I'd like to think that UX is something that, like, if you're working at the reference desk and you're not in charge of anything, you're just you're just a regular reference frontline reference librarian, you can still use UX techniques to take a look at that little handout that you've got at your desk that explains how to read a call number on the shelf and and use UX um, design methods to come up with a better way to present that information. And that's that's what UX can be. It doesn't have to be about these big hairy projects, you know, overhauling a website or setting up a whole new resource on the on the library, a whole new discovery service on your library website. It can be lots of small scale things. And that's one of the things I loved about the the book by Aaron Schmidt and Amanda Etches is the way they didn't make UX to be just a web thing um, and just these big projects things that people with technical design backgrounds are capable of doing it, it it can be anyone and i think we're going to leave it on that positive note Stephen, how can okay. people find you and support the things that you do um well let's see my i've got a couple of blogs one um that is active another one i'm just leaving out there because it's been around for a while but uh if they if you just google beating the bounds you'll probably find my um my main blog i'm also active on slack and facebook Twitter a little bit, but uh, mostly um, you'll you'll find me in Slack. Um, there's a Library Society of the World space, and also the LibUX space. I'm I'm really growing to love. All right, thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you guys next time.